Welcome back to another episode of Produce Grind Podcast. Karen Tenney, JB with me. Yo, what's good? And we got a special guest here today. Uh, you know, bros work with Thug, Drake, Trouble, 2 Chains, Yachty, Uzi, Travis Scott, Lil Key, Lil Got It, Migos. Please welcome Super Mario. What's good, bro? Mario! Happy to be here, man. Already, bro. Appreciate you pulling up. Uh, First of all, let me say this. I love what you guys got going on. This is one of my favorite podcasts. Appreciate that, man. Um... There's not a lot of people highlighting what's going on in the producer community, let alone what's happening in the culture generally. So uh, just much appreciation for the spotlight on culture, and not just the technical side of things and what we do, but just the cultural side of it as well. Definitely appreciate that, man. Shout out to Mario, man. Shoot, yeah, man. So for like everyone in the audience that may not know who you are, or may not be aware of... Uh, of your skills and of everything they've done. You want to give them a little background story of like how, where you started and then where, how you, how you reached where you're at now? Uh, well, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I've always been a musician. Um, music is a big part of my family. I grew up, you know, very, very involved in music. My dad plays the bass. My uncles, they all are producers and uh, musicians. We started in the church. I, I played drums. I've been playing drums since I was like two years old. Um, uh, I think my first time actually touching something digital or anything technical outside of drumming and like being a part of a band was I was staying in Blythewood at my grandmother's house in, in South Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina. And like I would take like uh, like old cassette players. This was when cassettes was still popping a little bit. <laughs> so I, I would take cassette players and like run them through uh, like headphones and like uh, just record like two tapes at one time playing like so I would have like little instrumental tapes with like jazz beats or something yeah. and I would like record myself rapping over them and stuff like that <laughs> yeah. so that's how I got introduced to the production side of things mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so then from there going from cassettes did you continue to pursue it after you were messing around like that or did you take a break from it talk to, talk to us a little bit more about that transition period to like <clears throat> going from just messing around with something for the first time to being like okay let me do this for real Uh, I mean music is always it has always been something that I knew was going to be my career path. Oh, for real? That's something that I just, it's just, when when something is chosen for you, it's just undoubted. Mm. So you just know that this is what you're going to do in whatever fashion is going to be. You used to tell you, your teachers that? Say you used to tell your teachers that in school? Uh, no, I did. I, I actually did my work. I That's did good. my work. I, I, I prepared myself in case it wouldn't work out. But I just felt like regardless of what the case is, I'm going I'm, I'm to end up doing music somehow or another mm. in any particular facet, whether it's going to be I'm going to be an artist, a writer, a producer. I didn't know what it was going to be. I just knew I was going to be involved in music. So so how long? So I know your first placement was with Doug, the Two, two Cup Stuff record yeah. back, back in 2013. How long were you making beats before like you actually Jeez. got the placement? 2013, probably since like 2009. Mm-hmm. I was making beats in high school. I was literally like going to library during lunch period and like or computer class, whichever yeah. one came first. I was going in there and like hopping on random computers and downloading like the the uh, the free version of FL. Yeah, the demo. <laughs> yeah, I was downloading the demo and making beats when I was supposed to be doing work. You know, people would come over and like, bro, what you doing? Oh, I'm making beats, bro. Like, just trying to get used to the program because uh, I got introduced to it in like. I think it was 2007. Mm. I think I think it was like <clears throat> FL3 at the time. I don't know. But we was skipping school, going to smoke weed or whatever the case. And like one of my homies had it at his house on his laptop. And it was the first time I seen it. 
And, like, I always wanted to get into, like, beat machines and stuff like that. Yeah. I knew nothing of, like, being able to digitally on a computer make beats. Yeah. He showed it to me, and then that's when I knew it was over. Mm. I just I just knew it was over right then and there. I was like, bro, I got to get this. He was like, bro, I'll give it to you. Like, you can go on with this today. So, yeah, ever since then, I was, like, on computers in school, like, downloading shit. I ain't going to lie, man. It's probably half of the reason I dropped out of school, bro. High school. Uh, for making beats and shit. Yeah, bro. Like, I was already bad as fuck. You know what I'm saying? In school. Like, I was doing my work, but I didn't want to be in school. I'm very, very antisocial. I don't like people. I don't like hanging with people. <laughs> yeah. And, like, school is just a place There's too many people for me. I rather, I, I honestly asked my mom to homeschool me. I wanted to be homeschooled instead. Mm. So I would, like, I would go to school and I'd probably leave, like, by second period. Mm. You know, I go to, we had this, we had this spot in the back of Rich Northeast um, called the Back Gate. And it led to this neighborhood called Woodfield. And Woodfield was like pretty game related, you know what I'm saying? Bunch of bullshit. But I would always go there. I, at the time, I was smoking a lot. So I'd go back there to smoke a blunt. <clears throat> you know, some of the homies from the neighborhood would pull up with some weed or whatever. So I would like just leave school with them, go to their house and hang out or whatever. And they always had like computers and microphones. They wanted to be rappers. Yeah. So I like, I had an excuse to like be able to hang with some of the older homies. I'd go over there, record them and do music with them and just, like, find a way to not be at school. Mm. You know? Right, right. Did your, did your parents take it serious? Like, how did they feel about you, like, I mean, slacking up in school and doing music instead? Uh, they didn't really know. You know what I'm saying? At the time, they didn't know. Uh, they knew I was fucking up. They knew I was, like, not getting the grades I was supposed to, supposed to be getting. They saw the decline in my grades. Mm. Didn't really understand why. But my dad figured out I was, like, skipping school. I think it was, like, I think it was like my 10th grade year, he found out I was skipping school because I was like getting in people's cars to go to like Benedict College and hang out and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like I was just going different places and shit. Yeah. So um, once he realized that I was skipping school, like he he started paying more attention to what I was doing, being more involved. And um, I started going to school a little bit more, but then I ended up getting expelled that same year. Damn. So it really didn't matter. <laughs> I wasn't there regardless. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how that went. Yeah. So then give us give us a snapshot of what your life was like when when you got the placement, when you got that first placement. Um I was living on Broad River Road. Me and my baby mom my baby mama at the time. Mm. So we was living on Broad River Road. Um I think my uh my my child was on the way. She was still in the womb. And like I was working as a janitor. And I remember that day like it was yesterday, like I was asleep on my couch. Getting ready to go, I, w I was working night shift at the time, so I was like cleaning windows at like uh, O'Reilly's and shit. Mm. Like we would go clean windows at O'Reilly's, and um, I was trying to rest up to go to do that that night, and my phone kept ringing that day. And like I think it was one of the little homies from my neighborhood. He was like, "Bro, you work with Young Thug?" And I'm like, "I don't know who Young Thug is at the time." Mm, so yeah. this was like 2000, early 2013. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who Young Thug is. I've never heard of this kid. I'm not really familiar with Atlanta culture like that. You know, mm -hmm. so I'm like, I don't know who that is. He's like, bro, he done, he done hopped on your beats. You know what I'm saying? You got a, you got a song with Young Thug that's really bubbling in Atlanta. So I went on YouTube. I was still like half asleep at the time. I went on YouTube and listened to the song. And I was like, shit trash, man. Like, <laughs> honestly, because where I come from, like, I wasn't really into Atlanta culture. Right, right. Yeah. Some of the first rap that I listened to was West Coast rap. Oh, okay. I was I was really into California type shit. So I was like trying to wrap my head around what was going on. 
and figure out how he had got my beats. Come to find out, like a year ago, I found out he got my beats through Gucci. Oh, okay. Because I was working with a with a cat named Black Cat, and Black Cat was sending my beats around, and I think I emailed him some beats too to Gucci. Some email that I was given. So I emailed him, you know, a couple of beats. He didn't use them. He ended up passing them off to some of the younger artists. Mm-hmm. Young Thug ended up being one of those guys. So, so oh, then talk about the bit. Like, how did the business go? How did you handle the business after after that? Like, once you found out he was on it, he was on it. Did you go and contact him or reach out to him? I was like, yo, nah, honestly, I didn't. Just let it ride. Yeah, I didn't contact nobody. I just kept working, bro. I was, mm-hmm. I went back to work. I I went to my job every day. I was more focused on the fact that I was about to have a child. My daughter was about to be born. I, I didn't give a fuck. I didn't think I was going to see nothing of that. So um, uh, Atlantic, APG, whatever you want to call them, they hit me up themselves. I didn't reach out to them. They came to me and was like, we got a check for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we got Young Thug over here. We're pretty much in charge of what he's got going on. This was at the time, you know, when Atlantic was still involved. Yeah. So they hit me up. I wanted to do a little deal for the song I think somewhere in between the time that I found out about the song and when they hit me up I was already like traveling back and forth to Atlanta on my off days my my girl's mom would rent a car for me she was like she was very very like involved in my career my yeah. own parents weren't weren't as involved in my career as my girl's mom mm. yeah. you know what I'm saying we were living like literally living in the hood at the time like yeah. one of the worst neighborhoods to live in on Broad River Broad River is a really bad side of town. And um, me trying to raise a kid over there just wasn't wasn't it. So she saw me doing the right thing. I wasn't hanging out. I was going to work every day. But she knew I had a talent for music. So she would, like, rent me cars um, on my days off and be like, yo, go to Atlanta for a couple of days. I'll help you get a hotel room. Just, just thug it out. I even told her I ain't need no hotel room. One of my homeboys, Ben G, who, used to, who was rapper, a rapper in uh, South Carolina, had really, really good connections with Waka Flocka and um, Southside. Mm. So he connected me with Southside. Southside would let me come to his house and just, like, sleep on the couch and, like, run around with them. He wanted me to be a part of 808 Mafia. Mm. So I was cool with that. I was like, yes, bro, like, y'all one of my favorite producers. Of course, why not? So I would, like, you know, she would give me the car. I would go down there on the weekends or whenever I could, do work down there, and come back home. And um, and this is after you said this started after you got the the placement with the. This is in between the time that I heard about the Thug track and the time that they wanted to do the deal right, about right. that track. Mm-hmm. So, I guess Southside knew that Thug was popping, knew that I had something to do with that record, and was like, "Come on, bro! Like you finna be next." So he uh he let me you know come down there and like chill with them, and uh randomly Atlantic called me. I think I was still in Atlanta that day. Atlantic called me and wanted to do the uh the deal for that that song, that Two Cup Stuff song, and. Southside literally got on the phone. He was like, bro, put me on three-way. Put me on three-way. So I put him on three-way on the phone with the people from APG. He was like, bro, don't lowball my dog, bro. Give him all his money, bro. <laughs> like, y'all all want to do a deal. Don't lowball this man, bro. He next. So, you know what I'm saying? We got a decent amount of money for the record. And uh, the rest is history, bro. So how did your daily life, like, change after you got the check and after all that happened? How was life different after that? Were you, were you able to move down to it or at least start coming down to Atlanta more often? Or I was I was, I was was able to come more often. I mean, did you still keep I don't your really job? want to disclose how much money it was, but it wasn't a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To me at the time, it was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But uh, I kept my job. I kept going to work every day. I was still doing the janitor thing. 
uh, probably for the next six, seven months, I was doing that. Mm. Uh, I just, I kept going to Atlanta and meeting new people. I don't know. I just know God had my back. That's mm. all I know, bro. Because mm. <laughs> I was meeting people who are actually power players, like people who could put me in positions to be on more albums. Mm. My next actual, my first actual album placement was Jeezy, the uh, Church in the Streets album. And that was, that was a couple years after that uh, that was only a year after. Oh, a year after. That yeah, was 2014. Yeah, yeah. yeah, when when we started working on <laughs> on the situation, it didn't release until later. No, but, I'm saying um, after the uh, two cuts stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so it was like a year after. You know, so I was still working for like a year. I was still going back and forth to Atlanta, meeting people, just getting my face seen. And uh I met a guy named Propane. So Propane was really close to like 808 Mafia. I was already close to people like C4. Uh, you know, Reese, Reese LaFlair, mm-hmm. guys like that. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know, Childish Major. Childish Major was one of the first people I met in this shit. Mm-hmm. Him, C4, and Reese was like the first three people I met when I started going to Atlanta, aside from 808 Mafia. Mm-hmm. And uh, whatever 808 Mafia was doing on this side to help me get, you know, recognized or get in more rooms or whatever, C4 and all these guys was helping on this side to to introduce me to people too. C C4 would take me to go see Pee Wee and like, you know, mm. just different artists. And um that's how the the Jeezy thing ended up coming about. So it wasn't until Jeezy that I felt like I might need to make a transition towards Atlanta and mm. get out of South Carolina. Mm. So uh I, I just didn't want to be stupid. I didn't want to move too early. I didn't want to like put my family in a situation where I couldn't afford yeah. to be somewhere. So I, I stayed home. I didn't mind working. I It was an easy job. Like, I made my own hours. I went to work when I felt like it. So I didn't move too early. And um, honestly, I didn't move when Jeezy, when the Jeezy shit happened either. I just let my money stack up. Mm. It wasn't until the Drake shit happened that I actually decided to move, mm. to answer your question. You know? yeah. I mean, that's a pretty smart thing because a lot of guys, I feel like, they get that first placement and be like, yo, it's time to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they don't Some, wait on that perfect timing. Uh, I think I think a lot of guys nowadays have learned from some of the older guys' mistakes. Mm-hmm. I see a lot. I ain't gonna lie. I got to give young guys credit. They smart. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys are making better decisions now. To mm-hmm. as far as their money goes, and when they when they feel like they should uh make the move. Mm-hmm. So would you say that like so you said after you got the record you started coming to Atlanta and it was about a good year of putting in work and really trying to get contacts and get placements before mm-hmm. it started like. Started coming in type shit. If I remember correctly, you yeah. know what I'm saying. Like it's this is like what five years ago. Yeah. So yeah, if I remember correctly, yeah, it was about a good year. And then the so was there during that year? Was there any like, damn, like I ain't getting nothing else? Like, is it was there any thoughts of like, what's going on here? Type getting Bro, impatient or just doubts every day. Mm-hmm. There's doubts even to this day. Yeah. You know, like, fuck, it's not coming fast enough. You know, like. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting calls fast enough. This person ain't fucking with me. Yeah. That's, that's that's just something that I think we got to learn to live with. Mm. Mm. But like, how do you, so how do you deal with that? Especially like, cause you know, in the back of the head, you know that it's real saturated. There's new producers every day. Absolutely. You know what I mean? The lifespans of careers of producers it, and rappers are getting shorter and stuff. To be honest, yeah. 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 With, 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 with the growing market and the, the way things change every year, uh, I think, uh, the older you get and the more seasoned you get in this industry, it becomes more of a worry mm-hmm. because you see new people come up every day. And I mean, I, I guess that's something I'll get into more on a, on a different question, but to answer your question, yeah, man, it's like, how do I deal with it is 
I think the best way to deal with it is to keep your eyes on your own paper. Mm. Mm. To not worry about what everybody else has got going on and to only focus on what's going what's gonna to help you elevate and what's going to satisfy you. You know, uh, I think I spent, I, I think that I learned that from mistake is I spent too much time worrying about what everybody else had going on and who's winning and who's not winning and why I'm not winning and why I didn't get this and why this person deserved this over me. I spent way too much time worried about that and spent less time focusing on my craft. Mm. So nowadays I'm, I'm learning to spend more time just honing my craft. Yeah. I wanted to ask a question. You said the season, like the more, as you get more seasoned in the industry, you start having more worries about the younger guys coming in because you see so many people coming in. Why is that? Why, in my mind, someone that's seasoned, they're more like, they, I, in my, I would imagine them being more like solid and more like, oh no, I'm gonna stay around forever. What is the worry? Where does the worry come from? I don't think it's, I don't think it's as much a worry about the younger guys mm-hmm. as a worry about how things are progressing in the industry as a whole. Mm. It's not necessarily the person. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's, it's more so about how this industry changes. For like the game years. changing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. it's not, it's not a person thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, f- with me, I mean, I can't speak for everybody else, but with me, it's like, I just turned 30 in March. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like 30 is a landmark. You know what I'm saying? That's a that's a that's a that's a highlight moment in your life. It doesn't necessarily have to do anything with your career, but a life thing. Yeah. Right. So for me, it wasn't about who's winning. It's am I burnt out? Mm-hmm. <laughs> am I burnt? already burnt out? Because yeah. my first placement came when I was <clears throat> twenty four, but it didn't it didn't land on ra- radio and like right, become right. what it was until I was twenty six. My yeah. first real album place was at 26. Mm-hmm. So really, I've only been in this shit for like four years. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel like, damn, bro, I still got some time in this bitch. Why y'all right. trying to... I, I was I was taking ex- uh, internal feelings and placing them on external things. Mm. Blaming other people for situations that I had going on internally. Mm. When really nobody cares. Especially yeah. when it comes to a producer. Like, I understand if you're a rapper, but when, you, when you're a producer, it's like... Bro, you could be a hit maker when you're 60 years old, bro. Right, like, right, right. <laughs> but I, I wasn't seeing that for a while. I, I didn't really understand that for a while. I was, mm. I, I got I caught up in it. I understand what you're saying, bro. Because like, all you gotta do is a little two minute scroll through Instagram, and you're like, damn, am I winning the way I should be winning? Right. You know what I mean? Instagram like, will yeah. fuck you Swear up. Facts. <laughs> Facts. Yeah. Fuck you up. Bro. <laughs> you start comparing yourself, like, damn. Yeah. Bro's younger than me. Look what he's got. You know, look. And, that, and that's what it was. Because that's the thing, bro. Like, my career has been an uphill battle. Like, I fight for everything I get. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've never had a, a a single on the radio. I've never had, like, a real hit. And then you look at somebody else, and first placement is a fucking radio right, placement. Right, you know right. what I'm saying? But I'll, I'll, it's not always the case for everybody. Like, I look at people like, um, matter of fact, I'm not going to name no names. I, I look at certain people, and they've gotten radio placements that have done a lot of numbers, but you never hear from them again after right. that. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Right, you got no right. more placements after that. Like a one hit kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, you know, and then you got certain guys <laughs> who who get a major radio hit and that sets the tone for their career. Mm. Right. But a lot of those things come with cosigns, mm-hmm. which I'm sure we'll get into, but yeah. You know, there's a there's a lot of different things that make up who people are. How in, how important are cosigns for producers, would you say in, in the game? Uh in my opinion, uh, the cosign 
in in such a clout filled era in 2019 is pretty much everything. Mm. I, I guess it depends on who you want to be in this industry because you have people who don't mind the the background, people who don't mind being in the background, and as long as they're working, they're happy. As long they don't care what they're working on, as long as they're putting their all into it. But in my opinion, cosigns from artists specifically not only put you in the spotlight, it brings more opportunities. Now, what exactly is kind it? of cosign yeah. you talking about? Uh, let's use Take Keith and Drake for example. Okay, I love Take Keith. That's my dog. You know what I'm saying? That's the homie. But, um, and I, I don't want to speak too strongly on his career because. I don't know what he's been through, you know, to to get to where he's at. I don't know what he's done to get where he's at, but I know one thing: <clears throat> a Drake cosign and Drake constantly cosigning you right, right. has gotten him Beyonce placements. Has gotten him more placements than a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. It's put him in a category of producers that is taking other producers years to reach. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I'm not one of those type producers that looks up to a lot of producers that are co-signed. I love Tay Keep's work. Um, but if I if I have to speak on some of my favorite producers, like DJ Khalil. Uh, he works a lot with TDE in them, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He works a lot with a lot of people, mm-hmm. bro. Like DJ Khalil, um, uh, D-Mile. Mm. D-Mile's done stuff with Beyonce. Nobody knows who he is. Yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. familiar. I can't lie. D Mile is one of the one of the most talented people in this game, bro. Yeah. And nobody knows who he is. But you know, like, you never know what it took for people to get where they are. So I don't discredit anybody. I just know that people who I looked up to, who I still look up to to this day, who I know have done incredible things with incredible artists, there's still a lot of people that don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And the fact that certain people, not only the public, but in the industry don't know who you are, can stop you from getting future work. Like, people think cosigns are just just for the public. Cosigns create opportunities beyond which, you know, your reach. Mm-hmm. Cosigns aren't just for, for people to say, oh, yeah, I know he did this. I know mm-hmm. he did it. No, my nigga, that shit creates more work. Cause I've I've watched that shit happen. I've watched people get a record and the artist saying their name or artists mm-hmm. mention them in interviews. And now, boom, oh such and such is calling you. This person is calling you. This person is calling you because first of all, they are motherfucking like they're shallow. They don't give a fuck how talented you is. They they care about how popular you yeah, are. How hot you are at the moment. Yeah. So it's it's really like that at this point. We in 2019. This shit about clout, bro. But now take you mm-hmm. for example, right? I feel like a lot of people, when you get, like, a placement, like, on Drake, like, if you make it to Drake's album, you automatically get put on an echelon, like, with producers, right? Right, right. And then, like, the fact that you got, like, the genius where you break it down, so it's like, yo, this is Super Mario. He works with Drake. How does that compare to, like, an actual cosign? So you're saying a cosign is that much better than just that alone? Uh, I would I would argue that the cosign is still nice. is a little bit more better than just, you know, I mean, because you can look at my situation and, 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 and see that as the case, because, like, um, being on the Drake record was cool and people used that as a highlight point when when talking about me, but it hasn't dramatically changed the opportunities that have 
come my way. Mm-hmm. You know even what I'm after the genius, like it wasn't like no more phone calls. Even no, it's, it's always phone calls. Yeah. No, I'm it's saying always, like, like no, I'm it's saying always like, phone not calls. no more phone calls. I'm saying not like oh shit, yo, the genius interview came out like my phone going crazy now. Like that's what I'm. Uh, I mean, it's I think I think regardless, your phone is going to start buzzing for like a month or two. Okay, you gonna have calls. Yeah. People gonna people gonna. You know, of course, bitches gonna show their titties when you're the hottest <laughs> nigga in the room for a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Until until somebody else come up and do their thing. Mm. But for you to have that long lasting uh, that run, that long lasting run, it's gonna take for for more than one incident to happen for that to happen. Do you feel like a cosign could be detrimental to a career? Throw somebody into a situation they're not quite ready for. Yes, mm. yes, absolutely. I feel like uh. I haven't seen it yet, personally. I haven't seen a cosign really like put a person in a situation that they aren't ready for. Mm-hmm. But I have seen. Uh, I don't want to say that either. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta be real. Did somebody careful, pop bro. too quick, kind of like that. What you trying to say? Like I've seen people pop too quick, regardless of cosigns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like people just clout and like uh, fame is a whole nother issue outside of cosigns. Mm-hmm. But if if we're if we're trying to tie a connection between cosines and and, and and clout and all this stuff like that, and people popping too early, there there is the possibility that somebody can get on too fast and it just be too overwhelming for them. Right. Mm-hmm. So I definitely agree with you right. in that sense. Like the cosigns bigger than the actual producer. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I've I've seen people who are less talented get put in situations that they're just not ready for. You mm-hmm. know, and I mean. There's people who are more than ready for those situations and who never just did. haven't had that So which one's better or worse? <laughs> like, you could be the most skilled dude in the world, but you're just chilling in your room. Or you could be, I'm not that good, but look, I'm in the room with X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You could be in a room and nobody know who you are and you play a beat and be the most talented person in the room and that spark everything for you. Mm, right, right. That be that be the beginning of something special for you. Like you still have potential. Like you have. All yeah, this. you could be forty five years old and fuck around and be in the right room at the right, right time and right. play the right beat yeah. for the right artist. So opportunities are, I'm not gonna say not opportunities aren't based on clout, mm-hmm. but I'm just I'm just speaking on how that can be, how how opportunity can be even more expedient or just come about even quicker if that person is ready and you have the right cosign. I got, mm-hmm. I got a question. For sure. So for all the new producers right now, how should they carry themselves to make sure that they can get these opportunities that the other other producers don't get or or give mm-hmm. give themselves a better chance to get them? Uh, I think the perfect example is look at somebody like Jason. Mm-hmm. Look at my little bro. That's my little brother. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Jason been been one of the people who's he's he's put himself in a position around people who he's seen experience these things at an early age. Mm. It's like being it's the little bro, big bro situation. You put yourself around people who are already dealing with this type of stuff to learn from their mistakes, to learn from their wins, their losses, all of it. So you can have a better understanding at an earlier age when you're ready for it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Jason, in my personal opinion, is completely ready for whatever the fuck is about to happen because he watched people like me. He watched speaker knockers, people from his city. You know what I'm saying? Like, he watched 
whoever else from wherever else. And he's like taking notes. Mm. I think the best thing you can do is take notes. Personally. Mm. You just take notes, bro. Watch, watch what's going on and just develop your skills when it comes to the music side of it and also develop your person skills. Mm. You got to be personable. You got to be able to adapt to situations that you're put in. Mm -hmm. You don't know how to adapt unless you're thrown in those situations. Mm -hmm. Don't get thrown into a situation so early that, you know, you you just, you fold. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Don't don't go to a, a young nudie session or a, a such and such session if you know your, your beats just ain't up to par yet. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but at the same time... I, I can't say that too Cause it's like <laughs> You won't know If your shit trash If you don't play it For somebody That's true It's true So maybe I'm wrong Maybe you go to them sessions And lose And play some shit That just ain't up to par And then come back later And try again My nigga Like I don't think There's really a, the, uh, uh, a real right A real answer wrong. Yeah A yeah. real right or wrong Answer for that Right but, I don't know who know, He was talking to but I hope somebody Gets something out of that though <laughs> I don't know who He was talking to but I just remember hearing someone saying, like, I waited until I was ready. I think it was um, Palace, maybe. I don't know. But they said that they waited until they were ready. Like, it was Palace. Yeah, it's like, it's yeah, not some, it's something too. you just feel like. It's only you can feel it when you're ready. And then when you're ready, those opportunities. Yeah, but you, you know advantage. what? Them senses don't always kick in for everybody. True. Mm -hmm. You got to be real. I feel like you got to be real self-aware and, like. Very self-aware. And right. self-awareness is a sign of maturity. Right. You don't. Right. People mature at different, different stages. Rates. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So. I think uh, I think you have to put yourself in situations first. Mm. You have to test the waters first to find out if you're ready. Right? Sometimes you got absolutely, jump in. yeah. That, if I if I was gonna answer your question, that'd be it. You got to put yourself in situations to find out if you're ready. Right. Mm -hmm. And talk a little bit about those personal skills because I don't I don't think a lot of people really understand or really that's highlighted a lot is the personal skills and how it is a skill that has to be developed to be able to move in the industry, be able to talk to people, be able to hold a conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. I think, but that's it. That's honestly the answer. What, what you're asking me is the answer to that mm -hmm. question. You have to be able, you have to be put in situations that force you to communicate with people, that force you to learn how a certain person works, that forces you to learn how this industry works before you can make a, a real decision on how you should approach this situation. Mm -hmm. You can't go unless unless you just got big brothers or, or, or people who you've seen do this before to guide the way for you. You know, there's people who are conditioned for this type of shit, and there's people who don't have no guidance. Mm -hmm. I was one of those people that didn't have no guidance. I, I I got in here, I went to the studio with Southside and them like two or three, four times, got down, and then it was up to me after that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I had to I had to figure it out for myself. But the thing is. It don't sometimes it doesn't matter who you're around. Certain people don't move like you move. Certain people can handle certain situations differently than you handle them. There's people who prefer to be bedroom producers. There's people who want to stay at home and just produce from their crib. Right. You know what I'm saying? Versus people who want to be in the mix and mm -hmm. want to help add direction to the song and tell you what you should say in this. Me, I just happen to be one of those people who who prefer to do both. Mm -hmm. I like I like to be in the room for a certain part of the process. I like to be at home for a certain part of the process. Mm. Um, all of that is definitive. All of that is determining whether, you know, how many times you've been around this person or how many times you've been in the studio with this person. It's just testing the waters. Mm. 
Now I got a question. Um, so when we, I watched your genius and I saw how you kind of like your production style. It's like you're very meticulous. Like you took time to put uh, several different pieces of samples together to create a full song. And I feel like there's a pressure for pe producers to be able to cook up on the spot in front of everybody in the studio. But maybe that's not necessarily always, um, you don't have to be that way. Talk a little bit about like having the balance of being like, okay, I can cook up at home and spend three hours on a beat versus like trying to feel like you have to cook up in a studio like super fast. Yeah, well, I'm the type of person I, I would, I get my best work done at home. Mm -hmm. I, either home or just alone, mm -hmm. period. So I get my best work. I get the more details in the beat done when I'm alone and nobody's like looking over my shoulder trying to figure out what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um... I think it's just a lot of pressure put on you when you're in the room with artists. I mean, I, I watch a lot of producers produce with headphones on, like away from everything else that's going on in the studio. Mm -hmm. Regardless, I think there's a little bit of like soloing that has to happen mm -hmm. while you're creating for you to be able to add all the proper elements to a song to help it grow. Mm -hmm. um, making a beat in front of somebody doesn't necessarily mean that it will come out to be a polished product right away. Mm -hmm. You might create the foundation for that idea in front of them, but nine times out of 10, you want to go back home and fix this and turn the mix up on this because you couldn't hear it well in the studio when mm -hmm. you was with them. There's always more work to be done uh, versus the moment that you created. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, you probably have to go somewhere else and like, re-listen and add more elements to the beat outside of the initial situation that you put in when you created it. Is there pressure to be, like, is there any pushback from being, like, a more at-home producer? Like, a different level of respect? Or is it any sort of pushback you get from being, that's your style? Uh, Me personally? Or just, yeah, personally, or have you seen it? Uh, Pushback. Can can we use a different term? Can we like um pull the mic down something just a little bit like different. a setback? Yeah, like a, like they don't maybe not like I guess not like respect you or been like if how do I describe this? Like, do you lose opportunities from for wanting to be from from wanting to not That's being seen point. so much? Like being yeah. like being like Metro versus like Vibe or something. Like yeah, that. like like I I like making style. beats at home while I'm comfortable. Yeah, yeah. X Y and Z. Is there any? you lose from being that type of producer hell yeah mm. <laughs> hell yeah y'all listen that's not even a question you can look at certain people and see that you know what I'm saying like being on the scene being around networking opportunities makes 90% of the difference in the world mm. like you around you got more chances to, to connect with the artists and even if you don't get shit done that day, you can you have their number at that point, or you you've connected somehow, and you can come back or revisit that situation again. Um, right. I, I was talking more strictly on the producing side. Like, you can still network and be moving around and whatnot, but when it comes to actually sitting down to make a beat, if you got to be in your comfort zone, do you lose opportunities to do that? Yeah, I still I still say yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, because. I think uh, an artist's input on the beat and and being able to hear what, what lyrics are being developed to that beat play a major part in how the structure of the song comes out. That makes sense. Definitely. Yeah. So, so if I'm at home, one of my biggest gripes is being at home working on a, a song for an artist. They end up choosing the song and they literally cut the song to how I produced it. Knowing that there should be more involved in the song. So like I might do 
intro, hook, verse, hook, fucking ending, outro, whatever. And goddamn, they were literally cut the song like that. The song ended up coming out two minutes and 31 seconds long. It's like, bro, I literally only created that as a mainframe for you to write the song to. We never revisited it. Mm. We never added a bridge to it. I didn't oh. go back and do post-production to oh, it. All of these things that could have been done to it require you guys to communicate with mm. each other. I think a lot of that stuff is kind of over overlooked or left out in today's, like, the way music is made today. Yeah. Mm. I don't even like people mixing my beats. Mm. I don't like engineers mixing my beats unless I'm there. Mm. And, um... I send stems all the time and let them do what they what they're gonna do. Ninety ninety percent of the time, I'm disappointed, but <laughs> because I know what it should sound like, you know what I'm saying. Compared to like what they did, I just know the type of beat that I made was supposed to sound like this. Mm. So, um, yes, being involved, being at the studio, being around the situation when the song is created is very very important. It is more beneficial for you to be there than to not be there. Right. Uh, if you're going to work at home, create the initial idea at home. <clears throat> but but if you have the relationship with whoever you're creating the song with, try to find a way to be there. Mm -hmm. That's what I say. Seeing that we were kind of talking more about your creative process, I know that a lot of um a lot of your production is using samples and loops and stuff like that. Right. What are some of the difficulties that you've um you know dealt with, you know, using loops and samples and stuff like that? Probably more on the business end. Correction. A lot of the production that you've heard <laughs> to this date is using loops and stuff. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, I prefer to do everything myself. Mm -hmm. I play. I don't I don't necessarily need samples. Yeah. Um I'm I'm just the type of producer that if it sounds good, I'm gonna use it. Mm -hmm. But uh one of the uh biggest issues that I've come into is you know, the royalty thing, I mean, obviously everybody's dealt with this if you use samples. Right. Um, I think in 2019, a lot of us are just now becoming aware of royalty-free or royalty-based samples. So um, sometimes it just comes as a surprise that I have to credit other people for shit that I've produced. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with definition. If I produce a song and you end up asking me for a producer credit on the song, I personally feel like that means you should have been there helping me develop this song. You should have been a part of getting this song to the artist. Mm. You should have been a part of the mix and things of that nature. Now, if you made a loop, I ended up using your loop in my production of this song because producing don't mean you made a beat. Making a beat is making a beat. Mm -hmm. Producing is more it's, it's 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 more detailed than that. You uh you give a lot of input when it comes to producing. You uh you have the relationship between the artists. You you sent the song in. You know what I'm saying? You uh you saw the song from the start to finish get developed. Um, I feel like if you are a saxophone player. And you played the saxophone on a beat that I made doesn't necessarily make you a producer on the song. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I learned that from the old days because my uncle's a producer. And this was before beats. This was when live production was right, being right. done. So we had drums, guitar, piano, all these different factors in creating a song. Not so a would beat. you say they, get, they should get writer's credit or, or just like 
not like a session player because if they actually came up with the composition then they should get writer's credit like an inspiration Absolutely. fee or something yeah 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 yeah. no no you should oh, definitely you should definitely <laughs> get a writer's credit you should you should be credited if your piece of the musical composition is the majority of that composition mm. you're a writer mm. you wrote the melody all these different things if you used a loop that I ended up sampling and flipping and putting in the background of the beat or some shit like that, then I feel like that's negotiable. We'll just negotiate that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I feel like the whole situation is negotiable. Mm. It just it just depends on how much input you had when it comes to it. You look like you got some questions. Oh, yeah, 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 I got something to say too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we were just talking about and the vibe vibe was saying he felt like if somebody uses loop, he should get 75%. <laughs> he said, at least, he said at least 50%. At least, yeah, at least 50%. 50. So, like, hearing you saying right now, it's just like... The complete opposite right. of our yeah. last But he said, yeah. he said that because he felt like that, and correct me if I'm wrong, y'all make sure y'all watch the podcast so y'all can, like, if I say something wrong. But he said that he feels like adding drums to it, the majority of the hard work comes from the melody, comes from the instruments, sound selection, X, Y, and Z. He says he can just Creating go... the vibe. Yeah, he says he can go and just do some drums in a heartbeat. So he feels like, I guess he feels like it should be... 50-75% towards the melody. Yeah, that was his standpoint. That's what, yeah, was yeah. And, we, and we, we have the loop store, so we have our standpoint, you know, so. I don't necessarily disagree. I, I feel like it's circumstantial. I feel like right. it depends on how much of a role these loops play in the song. Mm-hmm. I feel like it has to do with, you know, like, if the drummer or the guy who programmed the drums is the guy who got the record to the artist, if he's the one structuring the song, if he's the one building verses and bridges and choruses and the song's coming back to him to get restructured, he's the producer. Mm-hmm. He's the producer on the song. Um, or he's a co-producer and you guys just split it. You know what I'm saying? I I, I don't see it as... So loops wouldn't make you a co-producer? I think loops do make you a co-producer. I think I think I think the co-production credit varies though. I don't Correct th- it, it might not be 50-50, it might be 70-30 just depending mm. on how much work you put in. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. If the guy let's say let's put it like this. So let's say you sent me a loop. Mm-hmm. The loop is the majority of the song. It's the yeah. main melody in the song. Yeah. But I'm the guy who got the song to the artist. Mm-hmm. I'm the guy that they call when the song needs to be restructured. I'm the guy calling other people to come add stuff to the songs, or I'm the guy adding it myself. Right, you the pipeline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm. I'm not. Not only am I the guy that's yeah. just getting the record to these guys. I'm the, also the guy that's structuring the song. You know, what I'm saying, helping the mix, telling him what to turn down, the engineer what to turn down, what to turn up, how to mix my shit, how I feel like this should go, and just the direct relationship with the artist. Right. I probably should get a little bit more. Mm. You know, yeah. it should be, it should most definitely be a co-production, but I should probably see a little bit more. Now, nine that. times out of that. 10, with the people that I work with, we do everything 50-50. Mm. Okay, yeah. Yeah, nah, the way I, the way I work, I feel like, you know what I'm saying, regardless of who does what, we're going to split this bitch 50-50. Mm. Okay. But I think when, that's when how it, you avoid all the problems. When it comes to right, buying, sure. when it comes to buying sample packs and stuff, I've heard, you know, people say like, well, you know, if you're charging... That's a whole nother situation. (laughs) That's a whole nother situation, bro. Listen, I do sample packs. I sell my shit through Splice. Splice pays me. They're royalty free. Mm. My shit's royalty free. If you now Splice is creating something that (laughs) 
is royalty bearing at this mm-hmm. point, and it will be able to generate royalties for the the curator. But um, I feel like if you're gonna give a melody pack out or you're gonna sell a melody pack, then sell it royalty free. And if you're going to expect royalties off of it, then give it to the to the people that you expect to receive royalties from mm. for free. Mm. Let them use your shit because right. at that point, like. That's when it, that's when the shit get political, bro. Because it's like, look, bro, if you... Why the fuck would you... It's not free if I got to pay for it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. If I've already put money on top of this shit, you don't agree with this shit? I want to know, bro. Oh, I want to know how you feel. <laughs> honestly, I just say, like... Honestly, I just say, like, shout out to everybody who buy our loops. Because we heard things plenty of times. We were sitting there like, yo, we heard that... Is that in the pack? And we was like, nah, brush it off. We never came for anybody. So I feel like it's, you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah, but that's, that's it's, at that point, right it's though. up to you. Yeah, but I'm saying that I feel like for the culture, you shouldn't, like you just said, you should put it out royalty free. If you're charging for it, you shouldn't come back and be like, yo, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, I charge yeah, you $15, $20 for this shit. But you got a placement with it now. I need more money. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, bro. Like, who, you didn't know this motherfucker was going to get a placement right. with it? right. This shit for the public, bro. Mm. It's for the public. Sell mm. it to the public. And then whatever happens after that is what happens. That's why so many people fuck with Splice, bro. You mm. know what I'm saying? Now, mind you, I got my own website. I was thinking about selling some shit on, on uh, my website and making it royalty-bearing and charging people at the same time. But then I just did. It's, it's about how you feel and your consciousness, bro. Like, mm. I don't know nobody who, who hustling. If you get money both ways, bro, you charging these folks and then charging them again <laughs> later, more power to you, bro. But I'm going to tell you what, it's a few people that ain't doing that, and I guarantee you more people going to start leaning that way mm-hmm. in the future. They're going to mm-hmm. gonna go to where they feel like they get a better deal. Mm-hmm. You know? So it is what it is. I don't know. I just feel like that's kind of... I don't know. It just don't, it just don't sit right with me to charge somebody for a loot pack and then... If they go and then they just you sell it to the public and then one random dude takes off and he has a hit with it, then go and be like, yeah, now I need more money off of that. Like, well, yeah, per, you to me, can look and see people are doing it. We ain't gonna say names. But I know. I mean, of course, of course. You, know, you, you can take it. You can take it back. We're not, we not saying it's not. Happening. No, I know. Take it back to the crate digging days. You go to the record store, you buy a record. Right. Hey man, I bought that record. What you mean? I gotta give um right Michael Jackson credit for this? Right. What you mean? I bought that. True. I mean, that's where it gets sticky. But I mean, <laughs> no, no, it does not get sticky. There's a very very definitive line there yeah. between like going to get a Michael Jackson. The songs record. that you buy at the yeah. store have been published. They have been credited. These things are on record. True. That they were written. Full there has crit. been money True. distributed and mm-hmm. paid back True. and forth between the writer, the creator, record labels, and whoever when these records dropped. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I want my motherfucking money True. if you use a record that. that's been published and yeah. put out for the public. It's True. already proven a winning record. You know what I'm saying? True. You put out some loops, they're not necessarily published. Yeah. Right. No unless, value, you, right? unless you're doing some copyright shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Unless you're doing some real deal copyright shit. That's a whole... Yeah. It, it can get sticky. I, right. I agree. It, it can get it's sticky. It's like we need it's like it needs to be a governing body over like something from the inside of the industry. People <laughs> the from the bureau, industry. Man. Like for real, like rate. a loop. Nah. They need like, to make it a little bit a more defined. Right. right. A loop bureau. <laughs> but I actually wanted to ask a question because this is for we're talking like in our industry, you know, hip hop industry, urban culture. But what about for the routes where like the genres where they don't even have artists on them, like the EDM route? Like let's say you get a melody loop and you go and get a whole placement and you're getting streams off of that loop. 
How does that work? Say it again. So like, let's say you use a loop or something in a EDM song, right? You put it out on Spotify or whatever, but you did the majority of the work. Let's say it's just like a vocal sample or vocal mm, chop. Mm. And you you know how EDM producers, they'll chop that shit up and make it crazy. All right. Then you put it out on a streaming platform. Do you split that tree, streaming revenue 50-50? What do you do? Like, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it was you gave me the inspiration, but I done put five hours into this to make it a whole different yeah. beat that no one ever would have created. It's sticky, right? About that. <laughs> that's 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 different. Um, I say, I mean, cut it fifty fifty to avoid all problems. But really, it's like if it's small, small like a vocal sample. Yeah, or maybe just some 50/50? keys. Fifty. So. I no. think I think when I don't know how EDM works, but from my understanding, whatever vocals. They use, they still have to credit the people as writers on the record. Yeah. Um, I think nowadays a lot of EDM guys are using original writers and not remixing as much. And if they are remixing they and they're selling it, that writer, the original writer is probably taking 50% of the publishing and some writer's credits on it. Mm. So mm. I think it uh I think it's still uh, the same rules still apply. Unless like uh, uh, until you get in a situation where it's like an EDM producer puts Quavo and Travis Scott on the song and like now it's his single. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like then it's like mutual. I mean, it was mm-hmm. meant to happen, you know. But uh, yeah, I think the same rules still apply, bro. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about um, the importance of a producer tag in the current state of music. Mm-hmm. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I just put it like this. I wasn't nobody until I got a producer tag. I was just a co-producer on a lot of records. Mm. You know what I'm saying? There's records that I've done, people don't even realize that I've done because my tag is on them. Perfect example, um, OT Genesis, Bust It. Mm. My tag is not on that record. One of the hardest beats I've made for artists to date that I've worked with. And um, nobody even knows I did that shit. Um... Once I got my producer tag, it gave me an identity. And I think anybody who wants to be somebody in this shit, and like, uh, once again, who wants real opportunities, more opportunities. um, If you want the clout. <laughs> I, I, I hate to call it clout because <laughs> anything is clout. Anything could be clout. Oppor- if you want to consider opportunities clout, cool. But what happens when you have a producer tag or when you are the guy who's being recognized for this work, the artists are coming straight to you. Your managers aren't having to go out and fish mm. for placements as much. It's like a big-ass billboard out there for it's you. It's like, yo, mm. this this dude is, was, is is hot right now. This is, And then they're coming directly to you. I just did a placement with uh, Shy Glizzy on his shit that just dropped. Shy Glizzy hit me in my inbox on Instagram. Mm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like Half of the people I work with today hit me in my inbox on Instagram. They managers ain't reached out. The only only person manager that reached out recently after the Drake shit, Travis Scott. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And that's just because he, he's Travis Scott. You know, he don't want to talk to you direct. But <laughs> depends. You could be bigger than me. And then he's like, yo, you know what I'm saying? He's calling you. He's himself. Yeah. So I think having a producer tag puts you in a position to have direct relationships with artists. It it gives you an identity with the public. It gives you an identity with ARs. It gives you identities with the artists. And it puts you in a situation where 
you might have more opportunities than the average producer because now people know who what your name is and they can identify you with certain works. Do you think a producer tag should be put on all songs, every single song? I'll give you an uh, an instance where it doesn't have to be. If you're a producer who's producing a full project, mm. if you're doing, mm. you know, if you Pierre and you're doing a whole yeah. project with Young Nudie, we know we know you did the whole project. You know what I'm saying? Your name is on the front cover, my right. friend. Right. So, yeah, that's that's a, that's a different case. But from placement to placement, and it's varying like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like you should have your tag on it. Mm-hmm. Now, you think that's just strictly? It might be a stupid question. You think it's strictly in our in our genre music? I, there's no real tags in like R and B. Is there tags in R and B? Adele track got a tag or right. something? Yeah, yeah, I think they do. Hell no, they ain't got no. I ain't what? never heard think, no tag. Think, like, wait, 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 wait. Think child. about think about pop music. If you bring it back, how many how many superstar producers are there in pop music? Ninety percent of the superstar producers in pop music are what? They're DJs. Mm. The only niggas you can remember that produce pop music end up happen to be Skrillex and fucking mm-hmm. David Guetta right. and niggas like that. <laughs> Max <laughs> Martin and them guys. Mm-hmm. They they already made their name off of being a DJ in the first place. Yeah. So when they drop records, nine times out of ten, they're they're dropping the record themselves featuring that artist or... Like Marshmallow. Yeah, Mar- yeah come Marshmallow. on, bro. Like, and Marshmallow crossing over into hip-hop and he's, he's so well-known for being a producer, I mean, a, a DJ, that he's accepted in our in our culture, mm. as a producer, just off of the fact that he was a DJ. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Marshmallow, he hard. Yeah, he hard, bro. Hard. Yeah. I don't got no issues with Marshmallow. I fuck with everything he doing. So do you think that the records that you had where you didn't have your tag on it, you think it was just strictly your lack of having a tag on it? Or do you think like any of the producers might have like seen the opportunity like, oh, well, bro don't got a tag on it. I might be able to just kind of get all this credit. <laughs> There's never been a situation where my tag wasn't involved. None of my records that are out, unless I purposely didn't put my tag on there, my tag is always on records that I produce. I thought you said you just had some songs where there wasn't a tag, though. Um, like OT, were you on? OT? Oh yeah, 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 well yeah, that, that, that. Oh, you said but, purpose. But that, but that was all me. That was my production. There's no other producers. So let's put it like this: uh, any any production that I've done on co-production. You had tag is on it. My tag is on it. Okay. Even mood with like with uh with TM and Southside. My tag is on there. My tag is the the lowest tag on there. You can barely <laughs> hear it. You can barely hear it. Yeah. But I'm on there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um I think OT might be the only record where my tag isn't on there. You wanna get into some fan questions? Yeah, yeah. So we got um we got have you you really ask questions? Hell yeah, yeah. yeah. Blowing it up. <laughs> there was like probably like 30 submissions. Yeah, we had a lot of like them. the best like three or four or something. Oh, I, th- I figured you would have like posted them on your story. I, th- I thought that was... Oh, no. Nah, I was like, always... damn, ain't nobody asking no questions. <laughs> nah, nah, <laughs> nah, nah, nah. They ask the questions. We always like just pick them and we give them the credit. So first up, we got... um, I, I can't pronounce his, his, his IG. It's M-A-G-S-R-G, Major Sergeant or something like that. But he said, if you had to choose, we was M A J S R G. Shout out to you. He said, if you had to choose one VST for life, what would it be? Arteria. Which one? Analog, oh. The analog pack, the whole shit. I got the shit where it's like all the arteria shit is I, in I, one I big ass seen, bank. I just seen Matt using it. Who's Matt? Matt. Oh, he probably said for that. Yeah. Why not? Nah, never mind. 
<laughs> you don't want him to know the sauce? Yeah, I didn't say <laughs> nah, so I, I shouldn't even say that. Huh? Nah, nah, no, you good. No, no, oh, you nah, straight, nah, you nah, straight, nah. You I never, I ain't gonna lie. I, I never, never use that yeah. I seen like they got like little hardware. They got I, the little MIDI keyboards and stuff too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, That's the joint you were showing bueno. me? Yeah. Bueno. Mm, okay. God has been helping us mm, set up. He got one. Okay. We use that a lot. I think Arteria is good for like, it's got very, very analog Retro sounding kind of sound. Not just retro, but like all the hardware that you would buy today. Yeah. You can, it, it's the best simulation of that hardware you can find. That's mm-hmm. what's up. I gotta yes, definitely bro. check that out. I oh. got while we're on that topic, I got, oh, you brought to? No, yeah. So another... Hey, please remember what not to add to this. No, nah, no, nah, we definitely. We're gonna chop it up. But, so while we're on that topic, right. we have put this out a couple couple days ago, right? We're gonna put it up on the screen, y'all can see. Basically saying if you if you had to choose three plugins for life, now these are effects and VSTs. Okay, and that was tough. So what what three would you pick? You can only use three plugins for the rest of your and life. And you can put Arturia. You can substitute one in for Arturia. What three you do you choose? Electro X, Reverb, Gross Beat, Contact, Omnisphere, Nexus, Halftime, Compressor, Massive, Limiter, EQ, RC20. So I'm going to pick... I'm going to pick Electro X on the actual sound source sound. Yeah. What? Um, Over Omni? Over Omni. Over Mass Contact? What? You know what? You're right. <laughs> I'm gonna pick Nexus. Nexus. What? I fuck with Nexus. I've been fucking with Nexus. Nexus was the first fucking plugin I ever had. Nexus I did not it. do me wrong. My brain hurts. <laughs> hey, listen, dog. Listen, dog. Hey, that's respect, Two cups stuff respect. was made off of Nexus, dog. Right. Nexus. Uh, the fuck. I can't choose between the limiter and the EQ. Hell no, no. Fuck it. The EQ. Gotta have EQ. Got the, to. Comp- the, the compressor EQ. And motherfucking That's three Atmosphere Nah not, Oh the compressor is a thing by That's itself. Yeah. Oh, okay yeah. Okay <laughs> Nexus EQ Atmosphere mm. so I guess you can't EQ Inside the Nexus And Atmosphere Oh no you said You you chose the EQ Yeah, yeah Cause yeah. you don't need The EQ no and drums EQ Yeah No EQ Atmosphere Shit the mm. engineer Can compress that shit Fuck all that <laughs> And I think I mean, Is there an EQ I mean all VSTs They got like Like in um, Atmosphere They got yeah, like high cuts add, And low yeah, end Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm saying, but when it comes, you might want to EQ them drums sometimes and stuff. Listen, I, I can't yeah, mix with tough, shit. Bro. I don't do none of my own mixing anyway. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Even though I do hate the way my shit get mixed by other people, <laughs> like, I they better than what I would do to it. Yeah. So I'm not too big on mixing plugins. I'm a, I'm, I, I mix by volumes. Mm. I just oh, make so sure my level, volume. leveling. Yeah, I'm good at leveling. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that. I really feel like that's one of the biggest things is leveling. Like, that shit is more yeah. important than real. I mean, like, if you're good at leveling, that's all you really need. I'm good at panning. Mm. I can apply an effect here and there. Mm. But when it comes to, like, real deal mixing, I don't know too much about it. Mm-hmm. Let's go to another fan question. Um, one effect plugin for life. Was that was that one? Yeah, that was an, yeah. another person just asked that. They okay, said one VST person. and one effect plugin. Yeah, well, oh yeah, so you, you picked your one VST for like what's one effect plugin for life that you would pick? Effect plugin. Mm-hmm. Not mixing, right? Mm-hmm. Just effects. effects. Yeah, mixing or effect, you know what I mean? It could be specific too, like mm. the name, the brand, and all that shit. That's a good question. Fuck one. Goddamn. Panorama EQ. Panorama EQ. Parametric? 
Parame- excuse me, parametric <laughs> EQ. I said panoramic. I said, oh, shoot. I'm sorry. Parametric EQ. I was like, parametric EQ, bro. Yeah, because I, I do a lot of low, low, lo-fi, oh, taking man. out the high ends and yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah, I, and I you always use the filter to do that. Yeah. What would y'all choose? I was just about to ask you if you ever use RC20. No. You don't use it? Uh, maybe. Uh-uh. Mm. I don't know shit about it, bro. That is is either gonna be that or it's gonna be a Fetrix. Mm. Oh yeah, Fetrix. Gross definitely hard. Can't forget about gross beats. Nah, man, that's I'm not a huge fan. I, as long as long as I've been using FL Studio, I'm still not a fan of gross beats. Really? I've used it in pretty much all my songs. That song I did for uh, Two Chains, um, the Diamonds Talking Back song. Yeah. It's all gross beat, mm-hmm. and all my melody is gross beat on that shit. Mm-hmm. But still, it's just not. Fetrix is just you can do more. Yeah. Or at least I I can navigate Effectrix better than Gross Beats. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I feel like Gross Beat they could really turn that thing up. Like if they you came can. out with if they, no, if they came out with an update, what? It's just very, it's, very it's, not, it's not it's not user friendly. Like you have to really beat. be able to go in there and know the yeah. knobs and shit like right. that and make your curves and all that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of that. Get rid of that. Oh my gosh! I ain't got time to be drawing and shit. Really? Uh. Shout out to Fast Lane FOH. He said, What's the real advice anyone in the game is giving you? So just be myself. Mm. Who gave, that, who gave me advice? Uh, shit, y'all seen him. Big Crit. Mm. It's my big brother. Big Crit gave me that advice. He said, Just be yourself in any case. Um, motherfucking. Who else told me that? Somebody told me that. Hold on. That was Big Crit outside. We that talking. was for sure Big Crit. Okay. I asked them. I was like, bro, I think that was a big crit. Yeah, he had he had a session in here before. Yeah, before okay. we got in. He actually pretty. Big. He's tall. He's tall. Yeah, it's tall. Well, I'm just short. He's <laughs> tall. <laughs> <laughs> but now nah, that's that's. I think that is the that's the most helpful advice that I've received, regardless of anything else I hear. Right. It's just be myself and like stop trying to appease what the fuck everyone else has got going on or be like. What the fuck is happening right now? Yeah. Even from from your image to your music, to the type of music that you make, be yourself. Mm. You know, I think I think a lot of people just to like piggyback off of that. I think when people hear that, like just be yourself, they think it's gonna be positive all the time. Like there's not gonna be ups and downs with being yourself, mm. but it's gonna be ups and downs like with being yourself. And, you got and, that's, and one of the one of the right. downs is. Your who you are might not fit what's happening at the moment. Exactly in the industry. Exactly. Oh, that's what you're saying. What exactly. you do, the type of music that you do, the, the type of person trending. that you are, yeah. right. just might not fit. Well, we just went through an era, and I say just went through because I feel like it's coming to to an end, where everything is about mumbling or uh, let's 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 be more specific. Let's be about let's talk about production. Niggas was is making beats with no fucking no instruments in the bitch. It's <laughs> fucking Buzz that. 808s. Uh, I don't know if I'm yelling. Bro. I don't give a fuck right now. Yeah, bro. That shit is hard sometimes. Bro. This shit is too like, hard. Come on, bro. Like, it's, what is that? Right. I don't even. Bro. I don't. I'm not. I'm not trailer. knocking nothing. I'm not knocking. Oh nothing. man, you gotta get on Triller, man. I'm not knocking. <laughs> hey, listen. I know all about it, bro. Yo, I, I got songs stop. on that bitch. 10K Cash put me all on that. Shit. That's my little bro. But goddamn. We there's certain people who don't value that, who don't see that as being music. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it's respect on both ends where it's like, bro, if that's not what you think is music, cool. Don't knock them niggas for doing that shit. Mm. And vice versa. Mm. When the niggas when 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 Lucky Day 
start coming out with his disco shit and his dance shit and it's filled with trumpets and all kind of shit, don't knock that shit. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's just got it's a respect thing, bro. Like, not everything is is meant for everybody. Mm-hmm. And what you do just might not fit in at the time. Mm-hmm. Everything sure. fades. Let's see. Oh, there was one thing I was watching your um shout out to Lala on the progress report. I was watching your progress report. Oh, that's old school. I don't know who's calling me. Yeah, that was a minute ago. That was like two, three years ago or something. Yeah. Um, but you were you were talking about how a lot the music nowadays there's a lot of elements missing, like the mm-hmm. spiritual and the healing type of element. And I definitely wanted to hear you talk more about that because that shit caught my attention. I don't know if I was just super high and it just like was damn, that's some real it's shit. Probably when I was smoking too. <laughs> probably was still smoking back then too. That's what I said to him. I was like, I don't know if that was just like some stoner shit or like some real. Nah, man, I I uh I went through a phase when I was smoking a lot where I would get a lot of a lot of deeper meanings from music. Yeah. You know, and like music. So for some people, music is a healing tool. It's it's, uh, yeah. it's not just a healing tool. It's it's a it's like a mentor. The certain lyrics just speak to people and help them get through situations and motivating. All yeah, stuff. we we entered like I said before, we entered an era where music wasn't as positive or helpful. It was it was less about reaching other people and more about self glorification, mm-hmm. self gratification. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I got 20 bands on right. something in my trunk. Like, nigga, that, none of that helps me figure out what's going on in my life. Mm. You know, we, we deal with a lot of songs today that just are self-glorifying. Mm. And none of that reaches anybody. And I think, uh, I think we need a balance. I think music is just very, very unbalanced. We don't have enough of each you know what I'm saying, to create a balance. There's either too much of this and too little of this, or too much of this and too little mm-hmm. of this. It just needs to be a balance. Mm-hmm. So would I think you, that's what I was really trying to say is we need a balance. So what would you consider like like a conscious rap? Like that, not even? It's more like a positive you mean some, message. some less SoundCloud shit. That's <laughs> Some less SoundCloud shit. Less SoundCloud. If, 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 if you really want to speak to somebody who is not as well-versed on this subject, I would mm-hmm. say it literally just like that. Less mm-hmm. SoundCloud. Less SoundCloud rap, bro. Right. Like, And that's not... I don't hate nobody for doing SoundCloud rap. I just think that the industry itself, the political side of the industry, picks a certain type of music to highlight for right. five, six, right, seven right. years right. at a time, and it becomes overbearing. Mm-hmm. And then R&B and... Whatever else genre just does is, is lacking, and mm-hmm. you don't hear as much of that happening, right, right. and it doesn't get as much radio play as whatever else is mm-hmm. popping at the time. So, when you said that you think it's kind of coming to an end, what's the next evolution? I don't know. I don't know what the next evolution is. I just know that I think, uh, I think, uh, at the beginning of this year, when 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 J. Cole put out the, the golden tickets for the Revenge of the Dreamers, uh, sessions and stuff like that. I saw a lot of people get excited. <laughs> I saw a lot of niggas get excited. Like, hey, bro, like, like real rap is coming back. This right. is coming back. Pendulum and I'm not saying swing. that, goddamn, it's got to be conscious. I'm not saying that it's got to be lyrical. It's just got to be a balance. It got to be less. It's like authentic. Like, I'm genuine. not even saying that. I can't even say I don't that, know, bro. bro. Everything has, it just needs to be a balance. Mm. I'm when I'm going to the club, when I'm drunk, when I'm turned up, I'm finna turn on 10K cash. I'm finna turn on whatever the fuck that's that's popping. And I'm finna I'm finna ride to that. 
when I'm pissed off, when I want to <laughs> slap somebody, I'm turning on NBA Youngboy. <laughs> when I'm smoking blunts, when I'm in my room and I want to fucking talk to God, I'm turning on the internet or Childish Gambino or mm. whatever the fuck else got, gives me the vibe. Tame Impala. Mm. You know what I'm saying? There's a, there's, a, there's a type of music for every feeling that you deal with as a human. Mm -hmm. You know, every emotion just needs to be a balance. You think um, shit like Lil Nas is up next? I think Lil Nas is up next. For real? I think Lil Nas is a perfect centerpiece for things that are... Lil Nas is the type of music where you don't have to think too much. His music is, you can, I can vibe to it without worrying about the message that it's really trying to, mm -hmm. to impact me with. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Right. It's, he's, not, he's not overbearing with his message. Not flex, super flexing either. Yeah, not even super flexing. We don't know. We ain't heard them, but one, two yeah, songs. Right. So that that's still to be determined. Mm. Sure, but I definitely see him having a future. I want to hear some more from. Yeah, I, th I like that. I like the shit. Uh, the little snippet I heard with him in uh, "Take a Day Trip." I that shit was hard. It. I go listen to that. Yeah, that shit's hard. That shit's hard. <laughs> They're my niggas too. So we got a couple more questions, man. One, one, one question. Like we got time, <laughs> huh? Oh no, we got uh, it's six o'clock, so we we okay, we're baby. gonna we're gonna go for like maybe two, three, four more minutes. All right. One question we really like to ask producers is, what do you put on your master channel most of the time? Hmm. Um, on my master channel, I leave the limiter on sometimes. The fruity limiter. Yeah. Really? What? Yeah, I just wow. adjust it. Oh, so you know how to use it? It's yeah. not just like it's just there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nah, somebody so explain somebody that to the audience me. for sure. Don't let them just. Leave that shit on there. <laughs> nah, they gonna nah. You gonna figure that shit out, bro. Because for me to really explain that shit to you, I gotta open that bitch up and yeah, like be in front of you. Yeah, because I don't know what the fuck the name of certain shit is. Yeah. I'm just doing it. Okay. But if I didn't have to choose the limiter, you pick. Hey, bro, you ain't fucking with the limiter. <laughs> no, no, I'm laughing at JB. He's not fucking. No, hey, JB. No. He's like, bro, let them the know. Um, He's like, no, 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 don't let, let them know right now, please. I think it's called a TS TSR TS5 Clipper, the Clipper. It comes stock? No. You oh. use the soft clipper? The soft clipper. Yeah, okay. Oh, the, soft okay. Clipper. the soft clipper. And I look, turn look that bitch to like... Yeah, yeah. But, but with the clipper, shit can get real distorted. So what I do is I turn all my instruments down on the volume mm -hmm. to like, like negative 10 or some shit like that. And between negative 6 and negative 10. Mm -hmm. And I turn the clipper up to negative, like between negative 2 and negative 5. Any, it just depends on what I'm working on, what's too loud, what's not loud. It's very, like, subjective. I don't know. So, but yeah, the soft clipper is is probably my go-to if I'm not using my limiter. Mm. And limiter is just me being lazy when I don't have, like, my hard drive plugged up to use all my extra plugins. Mm -hmm. If I'm using some stock shit, that's probably what I'm using. Mm. Unless, if y'all got, got better alternatives, bro, let me know, because I would love to stop using the limiter. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Nah, shit, Jamie. Yeah, you, you know, the clip. I'm talking about stock wise. Stock wise, yeah. No, nah, you you got you're right. Nah, I'm using a soft clipper that uh that what you call it made. Fruity fruity soft clipper. No. Right? The um T Rex or something like that? Yes. No, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. It's is it this T Rex is T Rex a motherfucking You like the waves limiter? How, how? You like the waves limiter? Like L L L Like the L two or L three. Yeah, you like waves. I have waves and I don't use the L L. Ultra maximizing. I don't use it. 
You don't use it? No, I've never soft tried it. Clipper too. Sure. I've always wanted to try I like both. the T Rex. Uh, brick Y'all wall. Y'all teaching me some mm. shit. You ever use the brick wall limiter from T Rex? I always wanted to try that. Yeah. I ain't never used it. The, like, the what? It's called the brick a, brick a brick wall compressor. Or I heard it real good. Nigga, I still use, use sausage banner. Sausage banner. Classic. 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 Hell yeah. Classic. No, okay. Yeah, I just ain't caught up to everything everybody's using nowadays. Sausage factor definitely like. Y'all don't tell people how uneducated I am. <laughs> nah, you good, man. Um, let's see, man. Um, I guess last last question we want to do is, since you have a pretty unique, uh, not super unique, but you know, your producer like came in the game, started getting placements after having kids and stuff, and dealing mm-hmm. with having kids and trying to progress your career and stuff like that. So, I love what, what would you say? What could you say to producers at home that are in that situation that you were in, that got kids and like, man, I want to. You know, drop everything and move to Atlanta. But I got responsibilities. I got family. I got all this kind of stuff going on. Um, I, I look at my situation as a blessing. Like I was just fortunate. Am I right here? Come a little bit. I just I happen to be fortunate enough to be right on the cusp of breaking through while having a kid on mm-hmm. me. Yeah. So I think timing for me was just cohesive. Um. I would never put myself in a position or put my family in, in a position where I wasn't sure if this was about to take off or not, or if I didn't know some shit was going on. So I think a lot of it had to do with timing and and me knowing that something was about to pop off. Not not feeling like it was about to pop off, but knowing like evidence was there that this was about to happen. So I think it's just be very sure and be very secure in where you're headed with your career as a, as a musician before you make decisions. And know that your family is going to be affected by whatever decisions you make. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's pretty much the best advice I can give. It's just, you know, be responsible. You got more people to look after than just you. Yeah. All right. Mm. Good note to end it on, man. Oh. Another dope episode in the books, man. Peace out. Super Mario. S U P A H M A R I O I G. Yes, sir. Was it Super Mario Beats on Twitter? Yep. Super S U P A H Mario Beats on Twitter. Sounds good, man. Mario. Signing out. All right. Peace.